to Spirit of the Midwest, a show featuring interviews and stories that expose the deep values and pride found in the heart of America. My name is C.K. Hicks, and I'm here today with my co-host, Wesley Noble. And today is special for two reasons. The first reason is that we have a live show today, um, and the mic that we're using is actually sponsored by um, our good friends at Mostly Serious. So I want to thank my friends at Mostly Serious uh, for sponsoring the podcast today. I've seen them at creative events around town, so I can personally say that they're a great bunch that I would definitely recommend for any interactive project. They are headquartered here in Springfield, Missouri, with a hub in San Francisco, and they design and build beautiful online properties with a focus on e-commerce sites, software apps, and completely custom marketing sites. With all their talent and the down-to-earth traits that have companies on the coast turning to the Midwest these days, Mostly Serious is a perfect sponsor for our show. On a side note, I've spent a lot of time talking with Jared, who's a partner and head designer at Mostly Serious, and he's told me that real collaboration with a client is the best way, he might say it's the only way, to create interactive tools that are both beautiful and entirely beneficial to users. He's said many times that nailing an experience for users is how Mostly Serious makes money for its clients. So yeah, if you need an online store or a new site or an app for mobile or desktop, and you're looking for a great working relationship as you grow, I can confidently point you to Mostly Serious. But you should definitely check them out for yourself. Head on over to MostlySerious.io or follow them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at username Mostly underscore Serious. Thank you very much to them. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, the second reason that today is special is because we are here today with Logan Pyle. Logan is a designer and all-around creative guy from our hometown of Springfield, Missouri, and super excited to have you with us. Thanks, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so it's, it's nice to finally meet you. I know you and Wesley have been friends for a while, and, mm -hmm. and we've actually never run into each other in person, so this is kind of a fun way to do it. And it's we're, true. We're excited to try out the live interview, and we'll, uh, we'll just sit and talk for a little bit, and we'll see how it plays. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's, there's magic in the air right mm -hmm. now. Definitely. There is definitely magic in the air. <laughs> Uh, so if you could give us a little bit of your backstory of how you, uh, kind of like what you're doing right now and then a brief process of how you got there or, or if you've hit, you know, things that you've had to overcome recently or things. So just, we try and get a general snapshot for people of, mm -hmm. of who we're talking with. So sure. tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, so I, for the last, I think four or five months, um, I'm an in-house designer for a church in town. So I do all of their or most of their design stuff. I do a little bit of video work, some editing, um, that type of work. Uh, but before that, I actually worked in in an accounting type job for about three to four years, which is hilarious because I failed algebra twice in high school, <laughs> I think, which was awesome. Um, so I've, I've had my fair share of non-cool design jobs over the years. But um, no, I, I grew up in Indiana, actually. I've lived in almost every Midwest state nice. other than Illinois, which is okay because I don't want to offend anybody from Illinois, but it's one of the most boring states I've ever <laughs> been in in my life. I don't know. Iowa is pretty bad. That's probably true. I haven't been to Iowa. There's uh, another state. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so I grew up in Indiana. Um, I lived there until I was 19, I think, is when I moved. Um, grew up in Indiana. I... I was always kind of a weird kid in high school. Like I, I didn't fit in, but I also fit in with everybody a little bit. Hmm. Um, which was funny because I was wearing like girl jeans and really tight <laughs> clothes because I was in bands and I was just 
I was the weird kid. I was like the weird kid in every movie that, uh, I don't know. Just stick out. Yeah, you just you just kind of stick out like a sore thumb. Hipster, perhaps. No, hipster, right. hipsters weren't a thing yet. Uh, uh, at the so time, the original hipster. I was yeah, I was a hipster before it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, now so I think good. we were called scene kids. So uh, we like went to like lots of shows and listened to bands and played in yeah. bands and things. Yeah. Like the original hipsters. Mm. There you go. Um, <laughs> That's before they needed a label. Yeah, we, we didn't believe in labels. <laughs> no, um, I did that. I was in bands for uh, probably three or four years and kind of toured around a little bit and played shows in different places. And then um, that's actually what led to me getting into design because when I went to college, they, they didn't have a design program, so I, had like a, I was going for like a Bachelor's of Arts degree or something like that with uh, a lot of kind of art focused courses um but my roommate at the time was like hey have you ever heard of this thing called photoshop and i hadn't so he gave me this stolen copy of it that he had and <laughs> full disclaimer i use like purchased licensed software it's now most of us started on yeah, yeah. stolen <laughs> everything uh so i i had this stolen copy of photoshop i didn't really know what it was i don't even remember what i was doing with it at first but um eventually i started having uh having people in other bands that we were playing with and people in my own band asking if I could design things like a flyer for a show or like a poster or a t-shirt design or something. So I, I just started kind of learning as I went. Like I wasn't, I wasn't learning Photoshop in school. I was learning Photoshop at like two in the morning with Mountain Dew in my dorm room. Like, <laughs> like every, every young aspiring designer that's does. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I learned Photoshop that way and that's kind of my, that was my entryway. And then I, after like, you know, a couple years of doing that, I realized maybe I should move somewhere and go to school for this because it's something I enjoy doing. Uh, so I, I moved to Ohio and I lived, uh, I lived in a small town that was kind of in between Dayton and Cincinnati. I went to school in Cincinnati uh, for, for design school. And it was, uh, it was good. I, I didn't actually finish. I quit during my very last quarter because I was spending like 12 grand a quarter, um, which adds up to a lot of money at the yeah. end of the year. Mm-hmm. And I, I was learning more just from doing like little side projects and you know reading blogs online and things mm-hmm. than I was learning in my classes and I I just didn't want the extra debt so I <laughs> like a genius quit right before I was finished. Nice. Um, and then uh, yeah, I stayed in Ohio for a while and then I met my my now wife who lived in Springfield and grew up in Springfield and okay. I that's how I ended up moving to Springfield so that we could get married. Oh. Um, which is a lot of things that just happened in what three minutes of talking. No, oh. yeah, that's that's cool. It's a neat snapshot. To see. Yeah, that's what we that's what we want. It's yeah, like, totally. A quick intro. And then like once you got to Springfield, this is part of what is just so interesting about your story is like when you got to Springfield, what has been your journey to to now working at a creative job at a church? Sure. Um, when I first moved here, I was working at a Starbucks, which is perfect because. You know, I was a hipster wearing skinny jeans and stuff. Um, the original hipster. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's going to be my episode title. And uh-huh. it's gonna no, I'm forever shame me. I think. <laughs> I've been debating in my head since you said it. That's probably mean. <laughs> probably no, I, I would expect nothing less. Um, <laughs> no, I was working at a Starbucks in Ohio, so I just transferred to one here. And I was only, I think I was only there for like three months or something. And then I... I got a call center job because I was about to get married and needed to make a little bit more money so mm-hmm. that I could you know, help provide for my wife, who was working at the time still. But, um, you know, it's, it's expensive being alive in yeah. the United States of America. So I had a call center job. 
I uh, hated it. It was miserable. I had to talk on the phone all day, and I'm I'm super introverted, so talking to some random strangers on the phone who hated me all day was just like, <laughs> yeah, that was a nightmare. Like I still look back at that and just kind of shudder a little bit. <laughs> because my my wife and I kind of refer to it as like the dark times because I would come home from work and just like want to crash and not talk and just get into like a little hole. Does that affect uh, the way you talk on the phone to other people? Oh yeah. I still hate. I've I mean I've I've forever hated talking on the phone. Like even when my my wife and I were long distance boyfriend girlfriend when I lived in Ohio still like I had to fight hard to talk for like an hour on the phone and that's I mean that's the only way we could and she knows that so it's not going to embarrass her that's like the only way we could interact so I had to like all right I just got to push through this I can do it I can do it like hype myself up to talk on the cell phone is video calling better for you like skyping a little bit anything other than face to face is just uncomfortable for me mm. which is <laughs> why this is perfect this, yeah this is perfect and I appreciate that because there's there's kind of a lost art of going in and sitting down mm-hmm. shaking someone's hand looking them in the eye and saying right. hi how are you doing today you know right. and especially for stuff where you're trying to resolve issues oh, or yeah. something it's just there's no substitute for no. face to face and, and it as much as we like to live in the digital culture and progress forward you know, with all the mm-hmm. fancy communication tools when you really need something, it's really nice to just sit down. And so I, I love yep. rediscovering that in different ways all the time, you know. Yep. And I, I hope that I hope we never get to a point in our society where that goes away completely because it's really important. Yeah. I hope not either because I'll probably have zero friends. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just literally sit at yep. home and I'll not just, talk to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> People will be like, hey, um, I'm going to Snapchat you something real fast. I'm like, why don't you just come over and talk right. to me, please? <laughs> <laughs> Um, what were we even so sorry, about? your story. Uh, Starbucks call center. Call center. Yes. Uh, so I ended up getting fired from the call center. Actually, oh, I wow. think it. I kind of messed up a little bit, but I think it was more so like you need to fire this person, or I'm going to sue your company, or something along oh. those lines. Yeah, lots of fun. Wow. Um, so I got fired from my job. We'd been married like six months, and I, <laughs> I had to call my wife because we only had one car at the time. I was like, Hey, can you come pick me up before oh. work? And she's like, Why? What's wrong? Oh, no. uh, well. <laughs> funny thing is i just got fired and she's like <gasps> oh, no. so that was that was fun um but ended up i had another job within a couple months or like a month i think i uh after that i i had a design job for um one of the big hospitals in town okay. at their print shop so i was doing that for i think nine months to a year somewhere along there um but i didn't have insurance at the time so um We'd been married for a few years. We wanted to start trying to have kids. So I decided that I needed to get a job that would provide insurance for me so mm-hmm. we could have a child. Because um, that would cost like $300 million without <laughs> having insurance. It's expensive enough with it. But um, no, so I, I got a job at a, it was it's kind of a call center environment, but I wasn't working in a call center. I was doing kind of like low level accounting work for a travel company. Mm-hmm. Um, and all things considered, it was a pretty good job, but it still wasn't the thing that I enjoyed doing. Um, so I had a lot of hard days there, just not getting to do what I wanted to do and what I felt entitled to do because it's what I wanted. Um, sure. So I stayed there for three to four years, and then um, about the last year of it, I started actually pursuing design, design jobs at other places. So I would apply, interview, and then almost all of them I would get pretty close to getting hired somewhere, and then at the last minute I wouldn't get it. Um, which led to more discouragement from working in a place like that. But eventually, um, I got out, and now I'm doing something enjoyable, and now I can look back on all those, you know, kind of miserable, dark years and kind of be grateful for it. 
Yeah, so like as you as you were going through kind of slogging through that stuff and mm-hmm. I know at some point you you know, you 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 know, turn around or you come home and you go, Oh, that's why I need to have a job. Right. I have a wife right. and I wanna have kids and, and so you do whatever you have to do, but what was were were there things that you were doing in your off time to kind of keep yourself motivated and remember like I am a designer I am a designer <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a good question yeah no I yeah I for about um I think it was a couple months before my son was born he was born in 2013 I started um I started getting freelance requests um, mostly through Instagram which is a very 2015 thing to say <laughs> but um, I. I had been posting these little like hand lettering things that I had been making on Instagram and eventually I started getting freelance requests through it, which was really cool. And I had no idea what it meant. I was like kind of figuring out how to price people and it was just, it was a weird time, but, um, it, it was nice cause I, I ended up meeting, you know, other designers and being able to network with people that don't even live in Missouri and have developed some cool friendships through that and stuff. Um, so yeah, I had to, I had to do something at home during my off time to, to keep me grounded in the fact that you know, I, I do enjoy doing something other than what I do for a yeah. living. <laughs> Remember who you are. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I had bills to pay and I literally had mouths to feed. My, my wife quit her job when my son was born. So it was me and we were writing off whatever money I was making. So I, I had a responsibility to do that. But at the same time, I, I didn't want to do that forever. So I was trying right. to doing something on the side that I could eventually, you know, my my goal was to start just freelancing full time at some point, and I think I probably could have, but you know, for it's hard. Yeah, it's it's hard, and I just like the the emotional weight of thinking that there could be a month where I, we don't make enough money because I didn't get enough jobs coming yeah. in or something just freaked me out enough that I decided it wasn't for me. I can understand that, and I I didn't have a wife, and <laughs> you know, but I I yep. freelanced for several years and. Yeah, you learn real quick. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a big difference between being productive and oh yeah, and a day where you don't get as much. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, like, there would be because there there were months where I would bring in a lot doing freelance, and there were months where I'd bring in like six hundred dollars. Yeah. Oh, and man. three humans can't live on six hundred dollars. But it's you know it's cool because it kind of teaches you uh, about the value of a day's hard work. Oh yeah. And, and just making sure that you stay focused. And, right. And having those client relations mm-hmm. and being able to interface with people and, yeah. you know, and that, and that's one of the things that we usually end up, it usually ends up coming out in our conversation with people is you live in the Midwest, you know, what about living and working in the Midwest is, um, if you've worked with people from other places or you've been other places, you know, what is it about the, the kind of humble, hard work mm-hmm. or like, uh, Brandon Wright, excuse the term, sweat equity. You know what? Yep. What is it about this place that kind of makes people a little hardier and, and humbler when they interact with people, and and that shows, you know, and yeah. teaches us how to how to do things with other people. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I when I was freelancing, it was I mean, it was it was crucial at that point because I was learning how to interact with clients, which is really just interacting with, you know, whatever whatever you're doing for a living. It's interacting with the person that you're serving. Right. Um, so when I got the job that I have now, I, I felt a lot more comfortable with the, the you know, I, I have a lot of freedom at work. Um, you know, it's, it's mostly like as long as I'm getting my projects done and no one's waiting on me. Um, you know, if I want to work certain hours one day, work certain hours a different day, it's okay. Um, but it, it helped me learn how to, to be my own boss really well and manage my time and, you know, manage multiple projects at a time and everything mm-hmm. like that. So it's, 
it's unparalleled in how it's helped me and you know kind of kept me grounded where I am now. Very good. Was that like a <clears throat> tricky transition from being at a place where there was like very strict rules and like this <laughs> dictatorial leadership? It was it was incredibly weird because I. I went from working in an environment where I had to clock in at, you know, exactly the same time every morning. And if I clocked in five minutes late, I could get in trouble. And, um, you know, I had like scheduled lunch breaks and breaks throughout the day or whatever. So it was, it, I mean, it was like a night and day difference. Like my first day at my new job, I sat down in my office like, okay, now I have to decide what I'm going to do for the entire day. And because I, 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 I didn't have anybody telling me like, okay, these are your numbers you have to hit today. You have to do this, this, and this. So I, but, but again, like the freelance piece, like I, I felt comfortable and I wasn't terrified of that because I'd been managing my own projects for two years and nice. had developed my like personal workflow systems yeah. and everything to where I felt comfortable doing it. Yeah, it's, it teaches you a lot about being like you see on resumes or job applications. You know, must be a self starter mm -hmm. or manage yep. manages your own projects well, things like that. And um, I had a really good talk with a friend in Texas a few years ago about that and we were sharing thoughts on uh, you know when you work for yourself you you have to manage things because it's the only way you're gonna get paid right but then when you're in another job you realize that you really need those qualities oh yeah and that's and I think that's something that uh, there's something about this uh, this area of the country where once you learn that skill and you just think, oh, I'm just doing this, mm -hmm. you know, on the phone or over Skype or over email or whatever. But you, if you can kind of visualize that same humble interaction, yep. you know, then it does go a long way. And, and it really does make you attractive to, like, mm -hmm. as much as people don't talk about it, it really does make oh, you yeah. attractive to employers. Yeah, When absolutely. you can sit down and talk to them. And mm -hmm. I can't, like, I do interviewing part of, as part of my job. And it's really funny to find the people who are totally cool with just sitting down and talking right. as opposed to like, well, so I, I make things mm -hmm. like, that's great. So, <laughs> you know, and it's just like, you know, yep. just have a conversation with a person. Right. And I think, uh, I think it's, you know, like you said, it, it's amazing the difference that makes. Mm -hmm. It kind of affects your whole life too. Cause I mean, it's kind of the same idea. Like if I, if I stopped working, my family would get evicted from our home and we wouldn't have food to eat. So it's kind of that mentality where like, I have to do this because if I don't do this, nothing will happen. Mm. Um, like it's, you know, I we have to make X amount of money per month. If I'm not working, we don't make that much money. Um, so it's just, I think that's kind of like the Midwest mentality is like you have a job to do and you have to get it done because people are depending on you, mm. um, which is good because I think it like, you know, like you said, it makes you it makes you really well-rounded and makes you you know able to to do whatever type of work really well. Really cool. Totally. Could we talk a little bit about your thoughts on social media? And like you talked a little bit about how Instagram had been mm -hmm. impactful in your freelance career and sure. how your views have changed as over the years of using social media. Because we've talked a bit a little bit about that yeah, before. But um yeah, so like Wesley said, I I Instagram was kind of, you know, where all of my freelance work was coming from for the most part. It was, I was getting a little bit from like Dribbble and, um, well, mostly just those two. Mm. Um, so I had to pour a ton of time, you know, creating and posting and sharing things on Instagram to help keep driving that. I mean, it wasn't just so I could keep making money. Like I genuinely enjoyed what I was doing and sure. what I was writing about and sharing and everything. But part of it too was that, you know, I, I 
eventually didn't want to be doing what I was doing for a living. So I was putting a lot of energy into maintaining that, that, you know, consistency and everything on social media. But, um, honestly, it just, it, it caught up with me after a while. I think it was, it was like last April or May, we went on a family vacation and, um, I just completely unplugged for a week and pretty much just put my phone on like airplane mode and put it in a drawer down in the condo where we were staying. And it was incredible. Like I got back and I just, I couldn't find the, the strength in me to keep <laughs> like, keep, you know, pushing myself to do stuff on social media. Cause I, you know, I realized that my son was starting to grow up and he was, he was getting to the point where he was going to notice if I wasn't around all the time. Yep. So I didn't want to come home from working eight hours at my full-time job and then work because at the time I would come home, I would work six to two thirty, like six a.m. to two thirty in the afternoon, at my job job, and then I would come home and I would usually do freelance stuff, um, you know, like three o'clock until dinner time, and then after dinner I would work until about eleven or twelve, mm -hmm. and then go to bed and wake up at like four thirty the next morning and start all over again, and it was, it was just awful. It was too much. I got really burnt out, and that's what, kind of what that vacation revealed to me is that I was doing way too much and. Um, I didn't want my son to to grow up thinking like, yeah, dad was home, but he wasn't really around. So I I and I, I wanted to be more intentional with cool. um, with my family and actually be present if I was home. Um, so I was still doing some freelance jobs, but they I mean they they dwindled down after a while because I wasn't I wasn't putting all the energy into you know hopefully attracting freelance jobs. Um, but it was okay because I it was a lot more restful. Um, not fighting so incredibly hard for the American dream like I was before, I think. It just, it was exhausting. And So has your view of, of, you know, the American dream changed over time? Or is it, is it like, is it just become more solidified in, in going home and like, hey, I have a wife, I have a child, we have a roof, <laughs> we have some food? Right. Um, it did kind of solidify, but I also started realizing that maybe it wasn't the best way to live life. Like, constantly pursuing the next best job, you know, constantly pursuing making more money, constantly, you know, all these things that at the end of the day, you know, when I'm 90 years old, probably aren't going to matter that much. Like I, I, I had this thought one day of, this is incredibly morbid, but this is kind of like, <laughs> yeah. the, this, is the, this is the state of mind that I live in most days. Um, someday I'll be laying on my deathbed and I don't think when I'm laying on my deathbed, I'm going to regret not being on Twitter or Instagram more. I'm not going to regret not working more freelance jobs. I don't think I'm going to regret not making more money. I'm, I, but if I had continued living that way, I think I would have definitely regretted missing out on so many sweet moments with my family that I was, you know, hold away in my office missing out on. So I, it, it, it just started kind of reshaping the way that I think about work and the way that I think about social media stuff and just technology in general. Um, I mean, I'm all for technology. I'm a geek and, it drives my wife nuts because I constantly want to buy things. <laughs> um, but it's, it's 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 weird because we're like the first generation that it's really affecting. I think, um, at least in in this capacity where we're all like hyper connected constantly and all of that. So I think fifty years from now it's going to be really weird to see yeah, a lot of the, the repercussions of this time. It is, and it's one of the funny things about you know you you add in all of these extra handy tools and, and services and mm -hmm. ways to connect with people, and I, I tell people I kind of grew up. Uh, you can't see I'm making air quotes, but you know, <laughs> uh, 
on on forums, you know, back yep. in the early like two, 1999, 2000, yep. you know, and then for like 10 years straight, that was the main way I interacted with people on the internet. You right. Know, before I found Twitter and everything. Mm-hmm. You mean MySpace oh, and Zanga and LiveJournal? Yeah, it's LiveJournal. Yeah. But you know, there was a what's the other one? Friend, friend, Friendster. Friendster. Thank you. I don't even know what that is. Really early, like Facebook startup type thing. <laughs> um, but anyway, you know, but like all these services and things. But the the goal of it was like you get to meet people. Right. You get to you know, and it was it was really neat because mm-hmm. I I learned a lot that way. I got a lot of neat exposure. Sure. And, and we'd work on stuff together. But but then you know it starts to permeate different areas of life and now we have all these wearables and everything else and i like i think they're fantastic sure. and i'm super fascinated by it but there are days when i was like you know i someone will text me and then email me and then something else and i'm like look i'm just not i don't want to talk right now right you know and right. just, and that's okay oh yeah i don't give you the front door access like, you don't have a key to my house mm-hmm. you know? oh yeah exactly and so it's it, I listen to I listen to a guy who who talks a lot about the balance between those things, and, and mm-hmm. one of the things he says is we we get we there's so much intrinsic uh, access that we give to one another, yep. and you know we when we we have to get through our heads that because you have my email address does not mean you can contact me any time right. of day, right? And there's that that barrier that we have to remember is like we have to have respect for the people, exactly, and. You know, like when texting first came out, I thought it was the worst thing in the world. Oh, yeah. I was like, this is so interpersonal. <laughs> but now I love it because I can answer it on my timetable. Yep. And it's it, it's something that you can do, you know, like when you have a moment. Right. And so if, you, if you're if you dying, don't text me. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. I know. I know. We've, my, my wife and I have had a lot of conversations about that because I, I used to just put my phone on airplane mode at night and then, like, we had... Uh, she had a, a death in her family, and mm-hmm. I didn't get the phone call from her parents because they were calling me so I could tell her. So her phone starts ringing, and then our mm-hmm. doorbell rings. So after that, I was like, oh, maybe I'll just use, like, do not disturb so yeah. that way people can still call mm-hmm. me. Um, but, yeah, we, I don't know, we, we're pretty big proponents on controlling how technology is used in our home because I, I just we don't want to end up being the family that's, like, like the Mediacom commercial where everybody's like staring at their, it's like everybody in your house can have their own device and their own streaming service. It's like, I don't want that. Like I'd rather us all be sitting in the same room, like interacting with one another and having fun and not just watching Netflix all separately on our own devices. Nothing says family quite like everyone doing their own thing alone (laughs) with headphones. headphones. Um, That's good though. So we we are a group of introverts. Oh yeah, like to, like hardcore. All of us are pretty hardcore. There's a introverts. lot of introvert happening in this room right now. Yeah, yeah. I think CK, you've not taken the Myers Briggs. What? <laughs> An introvert that hasn't taken the Myers Briggs. No, you know, I, I, I'm sure at some point I have. I have. I do not remember where I landed. Mm. I'm. I know for a fact that I trend introvert on any kind of test yeah and i definitely recharge better in in private you know rather than with people and mm-hmm. uh i people watch more than i i yep. feed off of you know the energies uh so i know i'm definitely there i i don't know the rest though so mm-hmm. i guess i should have done my homework <laughs> well i know i took them <laughs> so dis- i'm so disappointed <laughs> I, know. I know yeah we've had this conversation <laughs> like many times i've just kind of moved on i'm not even mad about it anymore <laughs> Um, but I took the Myers-Briggs a, like a year, year and a half ago. It changed his life. It did. It changed my life. Hey, it, it was does. 
this crazy. Is like looking at the results, like I showed like my family, and mm-hmm. they were all like, "Oh my gosh, it's Wesley!" You yeah, know, it reads you like a book. It it really does. So I got INFJ, which is I don't even know exactly what it is. Wait. We just did a high five. There, there you go. You I had to make sure it. I got picked up on the mic. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and found out not too long after that Logan is also an INFJ, which is crazy because that's like supposedly 1% of the population. So like, when did you take the Myers-Briggs and (laughs) has that affected anything for you? I think I took it about a year ago. Um, I had taken it a really long time ago, but I have no idea what it said and I probably didn't really care at the time. But I took it about a year ago um, and it said I was an INFJ. So then I just started kind of reading about that personality type and it was almost haunting, like, how well it read me. I was oh, like, yeah. oh my gosh, that's totally why that happens. That's why I think that way. That's why I act that way. Um, but it was kind of good because it pointed out, like, my, my blind spots that I couldn't see. And I was like, oh. And then I had my wife take it, too. And uh, she is ISFJ. So we're like, I don't think we're technically supposed to be compatible. But <laughs> oh. we love each other and we love being married. Um, so she's really close to the same type of personality as me, but she's more sensing um, huh. and I'm intuitive and we started reading about like both of our personality types side by side and we could like pinpoint like that's why we get in that <laughs> argument all the time that's why we get in that argument all the time that's why we get in that argument all the time <laughs> um, but it, it is cool because it, it kind of helps you learn how to interact with other people even if you don't have to know everybody's personality type but if you if you kind of pick up on you know how a person behaves how they carry themselves you can kind of you know, learn how to best interact with them in a way that's encouraging for them and, you know, doesn't create conflict you know, in, in as much as you can. Mm-hmm. I think it even made me feel more secure with my own personality, just knowing that actually having like test results in front of me saying that I am a, um, I have a very strong sense of empathy. Mm-hmm. And like just to know that and to like, I can. I think it protects me going into situations where I know mm. that I'm really going to be uh, stressed here sure. because of that. I think it. I think it does help me. Mm. It definitely helps you understand yourself better and why you think the way you think and act the way you act and everything like that. Yeah, it's helpful. So, how does an INFJ, uh, when like when you are when you're in, kind of going back to your thoughts on social media and even just that person to person interaction, like mm. you say you know, that you enjoy sitting down and talking with people one-on-one. Yeah. Uh, how does, even though you're, you know, if you're like me, massively introverted. Sure. But this is so much more natural mm-hmm. than interacting with some, even though, you know, I love tweeting people and forums and Reddit yeah. and all that kind of stuff, but like, but still there's some weird thing about being in person, even mm-hmm. though I'm a drastic, you know, drastically better in, in private you know to recharge <laughs> yeah there's still something like we, we we have to sit down and talk at some oh, yeah. because that's what humans do you know yep. so how does that have you have you had any like reconciling with that over time of, of realizing this is how i recharge but this is what kind of makes me a person mm-hmm. is, you know, talking in person yeah yeah well it like specifically in regards to social media if i spend too much time on social media getting you know like Technically, it is a personal connection, but at the same time, it's not because it's through, it's through a typeface rather than using your vocal cords. Um, so if I spend too much time on social media, I just kind of get inundated with things about other people's lives that, frankly, I shouldn't even care about. Like just, you know, 
not like not a person that's like you know I just had a sandwich for lunch, but just like constantly being bombarded with with what everyone's doing, what they're up to, the things that they're honored to work on, and all that. It just it gets really overwhelming <laughs> after a while, and it kind of it crushes me a little bit. So I I have to like take daily or not daily. I take weekly days where I just don't interact on social media at all. I just don't open Twitter. I don't do anything because it it helps me kind of reconnect to the real world and stay grounded in reality. Yeah. Is that um, a predetermined day for you? It's usually Thursdays. Really? Usually Thursdays. Good to know. That's cool. <laughs> so yeah, I can so bug you on Thursday. <laughs> hey, you can bug me, but I won't see anything. Yeah. Well, see, that's neat, though, because then it there is something about that disconnect that, um, or the, the intentional disconnect, mm-hmm. where, so I'm struggling to put this into words, but like if you... When you're talking with people online, you know how there's there's that, um, I don't remember the name of the limit, but there's a supposed limit to how many actual friendships and relationships right. you can have. Right. You know, in our society, it's very simple to go online and have 700 followers or, exactly. you know, whatever. You follow 8,000 people on Twitter or whatever, mm-hmm. and you try and keep up with everybody. And yeah. then, you know, I, I hear uh, different people talk, say this all the time. They'll, they'll hear that, like, you know... Will Smith's dog died, or whatever else. Yeah. And crushes them. I know. And they're like, oh no. Oh, you know Will? Smith. How do you know Will? How do you, yeah, and it's like, oh, you bet him? You know, and, and it's so funny how we live so vicariously through these services, yeah. but it's it's this right here that, that yeah. you know, connects us as people, and mm. this also that has the benefit of limiting the number of people that we can care about at one time. Right. And when I'm scrolling through a feed and I see 20 things by 20 people, emotionally, physically, I think we're starting to see, and you know, like you said, you and I are kind of that generation that saw this change. Yeah. And now in, I, I kind of consider Wesley the second generation. So like the Wesley... The, Generations have shortened, I think. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> like in, those, in the next or, or half generation or whatever that is now integrating with more of mm-hmm. it. And we're starting to see the physical and emotional limits of like how many people we can we can actually connect to right. on a reasonable level yeah. you know and, and then we go home and we wonder why we're like depressed and tired and exactly it's like exactly we drained ourselves you know and yeah. so i think i think you might be onto something well like i think it was i don't know it was probably about a year it was around that time that i had gone on vacation and come back i just kind of left everything social media wise for a while i think it was like 6 months or something maybe I don't really remember. If somebody goes back and checks, which that's sad in and of itself, but if somebody goes back and checks and I'm wrong, I'm sorry. Um, you can tweet at them on Thursday. Yeah, exactly. You just, just send me a tweet on Thursday and I won't even care. <laughs> but no, I, I just, I stopped doing anything social networking related and it was, it was incredible. Like it was, it was really refreshing. So then when I came back into doing it again, cause it is, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's a crucial part of life, but for the type of work that I do and um, just being alive in 2015, it's it's helpful to be you know present on those things a little bit. Hmm. So I came back, but I I made these rules for myself where I was only going to follow X amount of people on every network. So like on Twitter, I won't follow more than a hundred people, or on Instagram, I won't follow more than fifty people. Um, That's tough. It's not as hard as you think. Like it was at first because I had to unfollow like half the people I was following, but. Um, it was really good for me because now even if I check Twitter, it can't last for more than like five minutes because there's only going to be like 50 tweets over the last day that I haven't seen or whatever, um, which is nice. It's helpful. Other than when there's like, you know, something big happening in the news and then it explodes because that's what the internet does. Um, so that was helpful. And then my, my wife and I actually, we, 
we kind of we've been creating like rules for ourselves at home for how we interact with our devices and stuff and um i was having a hard time with constantly feeling the need to check twitter and stuff at home so now i i had created a rule for myself where if i'm home i just take my phone and put it on my dresser and just leave it um unless i'm like expecting a phone call or you know like right now we've our we have a family member that's really sick so i've we've kept our phones on us or at least like out somewhere where you can hear them if they ring or whatever mm-hmm. um we do that we we leave them in a stationary place so we're not constantly feeling like we need to reach in our pocket and check it or whatever and then on the weekends we don't do any social networking at all so we can kind of pull back and have really good solid genuine family time together um and not constantly feel like we need to you know see what so-and-so is doing on facebook yeah. or what quizzes they took or what games they want me to play or <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's cool don't even get me started on facebook yeah. i hate facebook with everything in me but um <laughs> all of that to say we we just we had to make all these ground rules and it's not like something where like if somebody checks their twitter on a saturday we're like oh, you're sure. the worst person in the world <laughs> but just personally for us that's what we had to do to just kind of keep our keep our heads clear and not get so burnt out on following other people's lives and yeah. yeah, that's cool. That's very admirable, respectable. Um, our last wrap-up question is: Do you have any advice for your younger self? Hmm. Or your call center self? Yeah, like, exactly. Looking back, you know, like, <laughs> it's fun to, to look back and say, "What would we have if we'd been on the phone, or we'd sat, or excuse me, if we mm-hmm. sat in person talking with ourselves uh, when we were a lot younger?" You know what? What would we have said to yeah. be like, you can make it, you know, whatever yeah. mm-hmm. advice you give? I think, I think looking back, what I needed to know at that time was that life is way bigger than what you do for a living. Um, I was basing my self-worth off of what I was doing for a living at the time, and that's why I was so miserable working in a call center or working, you know, in, in like my, my accounting type job. I was miserable because I was basing my self-worth off of what I was doing, um, you know, kind of kind of subconsciously forgetting the fact that I was a husband, forgetting the fact that I was a dad, forgetting the fact that I have a lot of really good friends and people that care for me and love me and um it just it made me miserable. So I think I would I would encourage my old self to to look past what I'm doing for a living. because um, there are way bigger things in life than than work. Because like I said, I mean, someday we're all gonna die. We're gonna be you know, somewhere between, I don't know, people might live till we're like 300 by the time I start my <laughs> yeah. generation dies. Yeah. I hope not. <laughs> but, um, eventually we'll all be laying on that deathbed, you know, hopefully surrounded by like our families and stuff. And, um, you know, I, I want my kids and, and hopefully grandkids and great grandkids to remember me as, you know, being present and being, um, you know, just being kind of life giving rather than constantly worrying about how to make more money or, get a better job or whatever the thing is yeah. you know getting the the wife and kids and house and dog and whatever else the american dream is mm. that's neat and we we really appreciate uh, you taking time it was cool to kind of test out we love the new mic and and uh, it's been neat just to sit and talk to people oh, yeah. face to face it's fun skype is cool but you just can't replace the real this so. this interview would have been a train wreck if i was talking on the phone with you guys. <laughs> Partly because I live like 10 minutes away, but yeah, mostly because I'm just incredibly awkward on the phone. Well, then we'll, have to, we'll give, maybe give it a second shot. Yeah, I know. I kind of want to get that <laughs> side of Logan now. But no, seriously, thanks for your time. We, oh, we really it, was, it was great, guys. Yeah, thanks for great. having me. Yes, uh, it was awesome. You can find Logan on Twitter at Logan Pyle, also on Instagram at Logan Pyle. 
And I'm actually going to give him a plug here real quick <laughs> because I'm going to force him to make a plug because um, he did he did the um, the logo for our show. He yes. learned the logo for our we show, which is awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah, for sure. And actually, um, he is going to be hand lettering a INFJ shirt mm. to celebrate the the uniqueness and. <laughs> <laughs> uh, rarity that we are, this which is, is going to be where really I cut cool. Wesley on the air. <laughs> nope. And I, he actually, he has a domain now, infjshirt.com. If you go there right now, it redirects to his Twitter. But hopefully, by the time some of you listen to it, it'll redirect to the shirt where you can purchase it. If you are an INFJ person or you want to celebrate our our uh, our group of people, so yes, infjshirt.com. It's going to be awesome. And no pressure. Yes. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> um, if you guys would review the podcast on iTunes, we would really, really, really appreciate it. It actually really does help people to find it and um, just leave something nice. We would That would make my day. It would be awesome. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please join us next time as we celebrate the spirit of the Midwest. Thank you.